For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit podcast with me, your host, Johnny McEwen. Why the All-American Brit? Because that's me. I was born in America, spent the majority of my life here in the States, but I was born to British parents and... Being British is a big part of my identity. I was back and forward between the US and the UK as a kid, but really, I'm an American that can't shake his accent. I want to jump straight in today and talk about the event that was held this past weekend in the golfing world, which was the PNC Father-Son Challenge down in Orlando, Florida. It's a really unique event in that the professional players who compete do not have to be an active member of the PGA Tour. They can be a retired player and they play alongside usually their sons. The requirements for entry are that you have won one of golf's majors or the players championship which is usually referred to as the fifth major the four majors of course being the u.s open the british open the pga championship and the masters these are the most coveted events on the pga tour season every golfer strives to be a major champion and with this as one of the requirements you're essentially guaranteed an incredible field which was no exception this weekend gary player john daly vj singh lee trevino marco mira Matt Kuchar, Bubba Watson, uh, Greg Norman, the list goes on and on. Justin Thomas competed actually alongside his father. They shot 15 under in Sunday's final round, ending up winning the tournament. But the whole golfing world, it seemed, was focused on the debut of a young golfer by the name of Charlie Woods. He's only 11 years old and he is, of course, the son of Tiger Woods. They shot 10 under on both days and... Charlie's swing was just immaculate. This is his first televised round. Charlie's competed in a couple of junior tournaments. A picture actually went viral on Twitter of Tiger Woods carrying Charlie's bag. And I think you'd be hard-pressed in a junior tournament to find a more experienced caddy than the like of Tiger Woods. And it seems that some of his pedigree is kind of rubbed off on Charlie. Charlie's got an immaculate, immaculate golf swing and has a real competitive edge. He's also, <laughs> he also does quite a bit of trash talking like his dad does. He's quite friendly with uh, Justin Thomas. They play a lot during the off season and they know each other quite well and they were paired up during the tournament. Justin said in an interview that it's just an incredible, incredible experience to be able to compete alongside his childhood idol with his son. I consider Tiger Woods golfing to be must-watch television, as do many golf fans. And watching the highlights of this and watching this tournament, it was just amazing to get to watch Tiger and the kind of levity and the kind of joy that he was able to play with with his son. This is such a unique tournament in the way that there were so many smiles, so many, you know, you get to see a kind of lighter side of these professional players. Of course, playing in a major tournament is an incredibly competitive, intense sporting environment. And so to get to see these major champions playing alongside a member of their family and the kind of joy that it brings them, particularly 
how much joy it brought Tiger to see him play alongside his son. Tiger said in an interview that he's he's so glad that his son, you know, kind of enjoys playing golf with him and that it's something that they can get to do together for a lifetime. He also has a really level head about kind of the expectations that he's putting on Charlie that, that you know, there's, there's there could be so much pressure that could be put upon someone whose whose father is uh, an absolute living legend. I mean, they golf fans call Tiger the greatest of all time and for good reason. I I, I do as well. And so there's a, a potentially a great deal of pressure to put on the shoulders of a young kid, but it seems that Charlie's handling it incredibly well and also Tiger making sure that Charlie's just enjoying himself. That as long as he enjoys golf, that he can have the opportunity and that if, if Charlie has the interest in professional golf, that's an option, but not a requirement. You know, Charlie's only 11 years old and it made me think about where I was when I was 11. It was 2002 and I was watching Tiger Woods be incredibly dominant on the PGA Tour. He won the, he was the player of the year that year. He, when he won back-to-back Masters tournaments. He won the US Open in 2002 as well at the Beth Page and... Getting to watch this PNC tournament, I thought about all of Tiger's incredible moments on the course and watching him as a kid and the influence it had on me and watching those tournaments with my dad. And and of course, it made me think of the memories that I've made with my dad playing golf together, being together on the golf course and, and sharing this incredible game. My dad was obsessed with golf and he discovered golf at a young age and his interest in golf never wavered. He always said that he had dreams himself of becoming a professional golfer. He grew up in, in Hainaut, London, uh, just outside of London, and from a young age he was a caddy at his local golf course. At the age of 13 he'd cycle down to the golf course for the first thing in the morning and his hands stinging with, with cold on the handlebars of his bike. He'd report to the shed, get paired up with a bag, and he'd be off, aiding the golfer, attending to the course, cleaning the clubs, repairing the divots, watching the ball's flight, giving them only solicited advice, and supporting the golfer through their round. Finish on the 18th by around 12, by a lunch, and another round of golf in the afternoon. He shared so many stories with me of this time in his life, about his commitment to the work and commitment to the game. Eventually, he gave up on his dream of becoming a professional golfer, but his, he was never not a golfer. He, he played his whole life. And from a young age, my dad made sure to have golf as a, a, an influence on me. Me and my dad had many a trip to the driving range together. I started swinging a golf club from as early as, I don't know, five, five years old. I think my dad probably had thoughts of me starting earlier. Golf was always accessible to me. One of the things I'm, I'm really grateful that my dad gave me. Whenever the desire was there, we seized it. But if there was kind of like a recorded chart, like if it was graphed out of my interest in golf, there would be lots of peaks on the graph that would shave off month-long spikes and of continued play and golf activity. And and it would just be golf, 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 and then guitar. And then the activity on the golf chart would just go dormant. And then it'd pick up again, you know, golf, 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 being a teenager, you know, no golf at all. <laughs> you know, golf, golf, can't be bothered. <laughs> And, you know, it was in many of those spikes that I enjoyed some incredible moments and memories of playing golf with my dad on the golf course. You know, we competed in a father-son golf tournament. It wasn't televised, <laughs> but uh, 
and, and we never actually had that much success. But one note of record that is that the uh, longest chip out that I've ever had came in that last father-son golf tournament that we played in. Um, and I like to remind myself about that when I'm playing, you know, and I have a, like a 30-foot chip. And I think, well, look, if I was in the heat of competition, like I was in that father-son tournament, I'd I'd hold this out just like I did. But I'm just going to, you know, bump it up and then, you know, back, <laughs> scull it over the green. Um, sorry, that was kind of, that was a boring golf joke. You know, I remember how proud my dad was of me when we played on the course together. I, you know, the kind of boy in him always showed, the, you know, the young caddy. He'd have this kind of determination about the way of playing the game, you know, whether it be in rain or intense heat or whatever else. He'd always kind of buckle down and carry on. Press on, mate. Come on. Six iron here. The values that he had learnt as a caddy really influenced him as a golfer as well. And any time that we played with anybody he was always so considerate of the group and these values that he'd learned as a caddy had made him a really enjoyable person to then play golf with some of the manners displayed on a golf course are almost kind of like inherently written in the rules of the game but i found that if done right it can lead to how you'd like to choose to be as a as a person you know supportive of others in the group considerate of lines of space and my dad would be effortlessly funny, but never truly at the expense of others, always laughing at yourself, never taking yourself too seriously as to let it impede on the group. My dad always supported my playing of the game and complimented me at any chance, but also critiquing me and giving me pep talks when I hit a bad pass or put a ball out of bounds, always encouraging my focus to get back in the round. And we played a ton of rounds together. Me and my dad, in some of my kind of golfing spikes, we would go out to the desert together. We'd go to Palm Springs and play at a couple of courses there. And I have so many memories of trying to hit the ball like Tiger. I even had, you know, when Nike first started coming out with golf equipment, Tiger was sponsored by Nike. And I had this blue Nike driver, one of the first kind of junior clubs that they made. And it was in the generation of the first clubs that you know that Nike was making. And I remember trying to impersonate my golfing hero and standing out in the fairways with my dad trying to, crush the ball and trying to do the classic you know tiger club twirl and just having a great time experiencing an environment experiencing a place with my dad and playing golf in 2012 i was at a real peak a peak height of uh, interest in golf i was at university at the time and as a student i could go and play this golf course for free so me and my mate would just go all the time we were playing this golf course like all, all the time during my sophomore year and then um, I had to take a physical elective as well for my major and so I had the opportunity I, I thought well why don't I play golf there was a golf course that I could take and there was this classic teacher <laughs> this this guy that I took this course from uh, and he was uh, local to the area and he had one kind of major swing thought and he would say it every single opportunity he could he'd say the golf swings very simple you take the club back and you finish. <laughs> He'd say that at any opportunity he could. He'd be like, you just take the club back and you finish. That was his whole philosophy around the entirety of the golf swing. And so I played this course all the time and I'd call my dad and I'd told him about him, obviously, and I would tell him about going and playing this course all the time and how into my golf I was. And he said, well, you know what, mate? I think it's time. Your golf's in great shape. How about we go and do a trip to Scotland? 
and I kind of couldn't believe he said it. I know he had done it a few times in his life, and he kind of figured out how to do this trip, and I was kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, let's go play golf in Scotland. And I was so fortunate enough to get to go on one of the most incredible trips of my life and have this golfing adventure with my dad. We really had the most incredible trip. We went and played King's Barns, we played Castle Stewart, we played Royal Doorknock. Toward the end of our trip, we even had the opportunity to go and play Muirfield. Incredible round of golf. We had so many amazing rounds and kind of a, a trip that you can only really do by playing this game, by trying to go and be in these environments. And I have a lot of memories from that trip, but by far the most profound and the one that I... I think about often was when we had the opportunity to play the old course at St Andrews. I had played the old course at St Andrews before in a video game. <laughs> I had I had played it on the Tiger Woods PGA Tour video game, and so I kind of knew the layout of the course a little bit already, but nothing compared to being there in the moment. And I remember seeing the course for the first time. If you're familiar, if you've seen the course in the open or if you've been lucky enough to have the chance to go and play it yourself you know the 18th and the first share a fairway so it's this kind of great big wide open scape and I remember standing over my tee shot being the most nervous I've ever been over a tee ball and I looked down and I looked down at my ball and the head of my driver and I just thought to myself please just hit it straight <laughs> And I whipped through it and there was a photographer and I heard the flicker of the camera go as I swung. And I looked up and the ball was just flying perfectly, dead straight, nice and long. And I, you know, ripples of good shot, eh? good shot. And then a little kind of subtle golf clap of the locals who will gather around the first tee box. Put my arm around my dad as we walked towards both of us in the fairway. And I just kind of couldn't believe we were about to go on this journey together of playing this course. We were paired up with another father-son, uh, younger than me, the, the kid was, and kind of a better golfer, if I'm honest. <laughs> he talked of having aspirations of going into the junior game and all of that. I'm 20-odd years old, and this is kind of the pinnacle of my game. I've gotten my handicap to a 12. They've let me come out here, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to play the old course. We had an amazing day. And a proper Scottish caddy on my back as well, giving me advice. I think at one point he said to me, "It was a, I was facing one of those kind of classic St. Andrews, do you putt or do you chip scenarios? And he kind of looked at me like, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't, I don't know, do you, what, what do you think? And he went, your putting's terrible, but your chipping's worse. So here's your putter. <laughs> Played a couple holes well, I made a few pars. I more just admired the golf course at every turn. It's simplicity, but how brilliant this old course shaped up and how historical and how important it was. Um, you make the turn and you start heading back toward the town of St Andrews, it kind of growing closer and closer as you get, get nearer. And I faced the shot at 17, having to hit over the hotel, and I managed it. And 
I got up to the 18th tee box, the final hole, and I thought, well, look, I've, I've already been in this fairway today. I hit a great one up the first. Let's just do it the other way around. And I just had my most tired swing of the day and it just started moving right and kept moving right and keep going right. And now it's over the road. And then I hear this clipping noise. And then I see the ball running across the fairway back in the other direction, moving left. And I didn't quite know what had happened. And we got up to our ball and... I, as, as I bent down to look at it, I could see this kind of orangey hue, this like spot on my white golf ball. And the caddy looked at me and went, yeah, oh, you can tell him that's authentic St. Andrew's brick. <laughs> he kind of pointed at this ball, which had now had this brick indentation because I had clanked it off the side of a building. Thank God I didn't do any damage or I'm probably incriminating myself in saying this, but everything was fine. But I, I still have to square up and hit this second shot. And so I'm looking down at this ball with this brick indentation on it. And I, I go for a swing and it's just, I, I only have to get it, you know, I have to get it too far. And I just land it short of the green and then it runs down into what's famously called the Valley of Sin, which is this kind of basin in front of the 18th green. And uh, I think someone's, you know, he said, serve you right. It served me right up. I needed to be in that spot. I bumped myself up and another part and made a bogey. Shook hands with the father son we'd been playing with and gave my dad a hug and kind of it. We'd play the old course. I'll never forget that trip to Scotland and getting to play all those courses with my dad and all of the memories that I made with my dad on the golf course. I'll forever be grateful to him for giving me access to the game like I said before and that is my biggest thing about golf is that I hope that anybody who ever has a passing interest has the ability to go, you know what, I'm going to go out there and do it. And golf has a kind of air about it that may seem exclusive to people, may seem unattainable. Oh, you can't afford to go out and do that. But there are so many opportunities and there's so many options of being able to go and play golf. Of course, there are the most prestigious golf courses in the world. Of course, you can pay hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to be a member of some country club or hundreds of dollars to go and play some of the world's famous courses. But there are opportunities to play golf everywhere. There's a little course in Los Feliz that I go and play sometimes. It's a par three course, little nine hole. It's only seven bucks to go play in the afternoon. And all you really need is a wedge and a putter. And that's what I think golf should be about. If you fancy it, you want to go out and have some fun, you want to go and try this sport, you should be able to go and do it. There shouldn't be these barriers. There shouldn't be these blockades. You shouldn't be yelled at for not tucking in your shirt or not looking like a country club person. I think that the golf... I think golf can be a universal game. Golf can be simple. Golf should be for everyone. I'm addicted to golf. I'm I'm embarrassingly addicted to golf. And at the minute, I'm just only thinking about golf constantly. <laughs> how I can get better, how I can improve my game. I watch video tutorial after video tutorial of chubby men in tucked in polos, you know, in some golfing paradise pocket of Florida, you know, saying, are you tired of chunking, blading, or flubbing your chip shots? Here are some tips so that never happens again. And then I go to the golf course with all the words washing over me, 
taking in my shock, taking into the consideration where I want to land it, where I want to bounce it, and sculling it over the green. For my 28th birthday, I was in one of my phases of golf mania, and I planned a trip down to the desert, the same place that I'd gone with my dad. I invited a group of my friends to come down there with me, and it's a testament to how an obsessed golfer does anything they can to play golf. My birthday's in August, and I invited a group of people that I care about, people I consider friends, to come roast on a 110-degree golf course with me. I just want to say I appreciate my friends for humouring my golf addiction and coming down there with me. I, I want to apologise for subjecting us to the potential of dehydration and or heat stroke. Luckily, none of those things occurred. And cherry on top, I didn't, I didn't play too bad, actually. There are tons of ways to get out and play the game. I've had so many, so many wonderful memories of going and playing and moments in my life where I've been addicted to golf and being out on the course. There's another place I play out in uh, Glendale, and uh, there's only a few spots on the course. It's in this kind of mountainy area. There's only a few spots on the course where you can get cell phone service. And I was standing uh, on one of those spots on the 12th hole, and I remember I suddenly looked at my phone and like it rang through that I had five or six missed calls from my mum. And I called her back and went, hey, what's going on? She went, have you spoken to your sister? Have you spoken to your sister? And I went, oh, uh, no. She went, call, call your sister, call your sister, call your sister. So I did, and I called her, and I said, "What's going on?" She said, "I'm I'm pregnant," <laughs> and I found out that I was going to be an uncle on this golf course. My nephew is about to turn two uh, in a couple of days, and I've already bought him a plastic set of golf clubs. <laughs> already trying to get him hooked on the game, just like how my dad probably bought me plastic clubs when I was a kid. I'm trying to <laughs> force feed him golf. I'm not going to push him too hard. I'm not going to try, but. Every time I play that 12th hole, I'm reminded of that moment when I found out I was going to be an uncle and how I want to share this game with him just like my dad shared the game with me. You know, certain times of year lend themselves to being fans of certain sports. A hockey fan must look forward to the lakes freezing over. Basketball fans this year particularly looking forward to the Christmas Day matchups. A Premier League fan looks forward to the Boxing Day matchups. The... American football fan enjoys bundling up in their winter weather gear, tailgating and watching their teams go at it. But it's different for a golf fan. A golf fan waits throughout the winter. After Christmas Day, all the wrapping paper gets bundled up. All the bins line the street on New Year's Day with empty bottles of champagne. A golf fan still waits for that first warm, clear morning when they can pull their own clubs out of the closet and get back on the fairways. Of course, he's looking forward to when the PGA Tour season starts up again. Spring brings the Masters, the Players' Championships only around the corner. But it's more personal for the golfer when he can finally get his clubs out of the closet and go out and try and achieve some personal success on the course. I'm counting down the days myself. (laughs) I'm looking forward to the PGA Tour season this year, and I can't wait to cover it here on this podcast with you. Join me next week when I talk to my friend, Matt Moretz. As I alluded to earlier, there was this course that would go and play all the time in university, and Matt was that fellow golfer. I had a chance to have a chat with him, and we talk about DJ's recent win at the Masters, we talk about memories of watching the Masters together, we talk about all sorts about the game that we love. I hope that you tune in next week, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen today. For the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network, I'm Johnny McEwen.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.